Just Fantasy Baseball. We're back with another episode featuring your host, Colby Olson, here with Clay Snowden, as always. Before we get into going over waiver wire pickups this week and streamers, Clay, we're recording this ahead of Game 3 of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Celtics and the Heat, and I am nervous, man. That's what I want to start today with. I'm nervous. Yeah. I don't have a great feeling about this one either. Um, I'd actually rather not focus on it at all and just enjoy this podcast. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. That's but, why we can get right into it if you'd like. Well, yeah, but let's first um, let everyone know that the next podcast this week will be a mailbag episode. So if you have any type of questions, any type of trade proposals that you may have in your league, any players that you want us to highlight, just drop them in the comments on YouTube, you can tweet them at us. You can DM us on Twitter, whatever works for you. But get any type of fantasy-related questions over to us, and we'll be happy to shout you all out and, and answer any of your questions. Absolutely, man. So definitely hit us up with mailbag questions for next episode. And let's firstly recount how we did on our streamers on the last episode because it wasn't very pretty, Clay. Um, we went 2-0 and to begin the week. And it looks like we're going to end the week two and two because we both went zero and two in the last episode. I had Brandon fought who went against the Pittsburgh Pirates and he didn't pitch the worst, but he also did not pitch well. Five and a third, three earned runs against just three strikeouts, eight or six hits and two walks against um, the all three runs came on a basis clearing triple by Cabrian Hayes. So that's just it can't happen. He was close to a quality start, but you know, one mistake can can really ruin your day, which it did there. And then Clay, you had Patrick Sandoval, um, who also did not pitch well. He went four and two thirds, three earned runs, three strikeouts, five hits, and a whopping four walks. So yeah, not not pretty there from both of us. But it's it's really just kind of how streamers go. Like most of the time, your streamers are not going to be amazing pitchers. So you're going to have a lot of three-run games, four-run games. Um, it really just comes down to the strikeouts and number of innings that, that they can reach. Well, how about we bounce back, right? I think a bounce back is needed. Um, I think, should we just start there with streamers? Yeah, go ahead. I'll let you go ahead first. Okay. I'm going to continue to ride the train that I've did last week with Michael Lorenzen. And I mentioned him on the episode last Sunday, Monday, whenever that was. And he went out against Pittsburgh, six innings, five hits, no runs and seven Ks. Michael Lorenzen's pitched well this year. And a lot of the advanced metrics may not show like, man, he's going to be some dominant pitcher and you need to pick pick him up and roster him all year. But you know, he's put up some good numbers overall. Like I mentioned last time, two blow-up starts of five and six runs. But, I mean, he went up against Baltimore, no runs. He went up against the Mets, one run. Cleveland, one run. Pittsburgh, no runs. He's on a stretch right now, and I just want to ride that hot hand as he plays Monday against the Kansas City Royals, a team that, you know, the the lineup has some players who I think are good. But collectively, I don't think that the Royals offense is anything too scary. They're near the bottom in WRC+. Plus. Um, Vinny's not exactly killing it this past week or so, so maybe you, you can even catch him in a cold slump. 
I like the matchup yet again for Michael Lorenzen. I don't know how many times I'm going to be able to stream him the, this season, but I'm going to do it again on Monday. Sure, yeah. I mean, he goes against a Royals team that has a 680 OPS over the last two weeks and on the season has not been pretty. You're absolutely right, Clay. They did get hot there for like a, a two-week stretch, uh, but they've you know since cooled off, and I think they're just still like the, the – crappy Kansas City Royals so that's a good streaming option and Lorenzen has had a lot of success with his fastball this year the velocity is up on that pitch um he's a guy that throws four pitches even you know basically five pitches throws seven pitches overall like not a lot with consistency his cutter was only at three and a half percent curveball at 2.2 percent but he literally does have seven pitches in the bag which is pretty pretty insane um Clay, I'm going to go on the other side here. I like Lorenzen as a pick, and uh, I'll probably be betting on the under in that game because I'm taking Brady Singer. He's owned in 43% of leagues, so not available everywhere. It, it is kind of a, you know, if he is on the, the waiver wire, you got lucky. I think he's a good streaming option this week. He goes against the Tigers, who have an OPS of 656 over the last 14 days. Uh, the problem with for Singer all year has been giving up home runs. So... You know, knowing that the Detroit Tigers playing at home, like that's a good ballpark to be pitching in. Um, I'm thinking he gets away unscathed here. Um, he's put in two straight quality starts. He went against the Padres, six innings, two and in runs, three strikeouts, a bad whip to go with that. Um, but still a quality start nonetheless. And then he also pitched well against the White Sox, six innings, one earned run, um, you know, four strikeouts. So, you know, he's not racking up the K's, but he's kind of getting it done uh, the last two outings. And I think that he can keep that going here against the the Tigers. Um, so, yeah, we're going to be going head to head here. But Brady Singer, I think, is, is a fine option as well, being, you know, 43% owned. Um, yeah, so, yeah he, that's streamers. He's another guy who's had a couple of starts that were rough. Um, he's had two eight run starts and two five run starts. Um, so yeah, I'm not a huge Brady Singer guy. I know a lot of people are, um, but I do like the matchup overall. Again, we're talking about two offenses that aren't exactly tearing the cover off the ball in two pitchers that have had success in this league. <laughs> we're talking about Brady Singer. I was I was high com coming into the season on Brady Singer, and he's massively disappointed. Some huge blow-up outings from him this year, but I think that I'll bet on him regressing towards the pitcher that, you know, we expected him to be, um, especially against bad offenses. So that's that's the rationale there. Um, Clay, I did want to bring up. So we're going to move into talking about some hitters that, you know, possibly we could pick up as well as just kind of analyzing the waiver market in general, like who's being dropped, who's, you know, who's being dropped is or who could you potentially drop is a, a good topic as well. And I do kind of want to start there um, talking about Graham Ashcraft, because Ashcraft has blown up in the last week, right? He started the year on fire. Through his first six, six starts, Clay, he had a 2 ERA, a 3.58 FIP, um, a 55% ground ball rate, and everybody was hyped, as was I, right? Because he throws almost, what does he average, a 98-mile-an-hour cutter, 96-mile-an-hour cutter. Like, it's a pretty nasty pitch. Pairs that with a slider. Um, but... In his last three starts, he went against the White Sox. He gave up eight earned runs in just an inning and two-thirds. He then faced Miami, a bad offense. He gave up three earned runs over five and two-thirds, uh, two home runs in, in that outing as well. And then he goes into cores, which, I mean, 
just a nightmare. Like you almost can't fault him for this, but still he gave up seven earned runs and 10 hits over five innings. So three disaster starts in a row. And now his Yahoo ownership is down to 37%. Maybe you can fact check me on what the Yahoo ownership is, but I mean, he's getting dropped left and right. And I'm sure he's a guy that, you know, some people might see on their way of where I go, Oh, wow. That's intriguing because everybody was all over Graham Ashcraft just two weeks ago. Um, but what I texted you before the show and I was doing a little dive into Ashcraft and what really, um, you know, has me questioning if this actually is the real Graham Ashcraft, the bad, bad, bad craft, um, is bad that one, he's not craft. bad Ashcraft. He's not getting strikeouts, which I don't think he necessarily needs to be successful, but play. He's only throwing two pitches right now. He's throwing the cutter and the slider. So everything is moving into batters or away from batters. Like he's not changing the eye angle much. So what that's that's done is he he's entering the Tanner Houck zone right now where he is lights out the first time through the order on the season. First time through the order, he has a 1.8 ERA. Second time through the order, he has a 4.15 ERA. And third time through the order, he has a whopping 11.45 ERA, which screams if you're only throwing two pitches, like Ashcraft is kind of profiling as a reliever right now. So that's very worrisome. Yeah, it, it really is. And he's a ground ball guy to begin with. So the strikeout numbers were always not going to be great. Um, so anybody drafting him and was surprised by that, um, you shouldn't have been the vertical movement on his sliders and and sinker as it's classified on baseball savant or both going down um so he's not getting as much movement and overall it just hasn't been nearly as dominant i guess at like so at times last year we saw him absolutely dominate and we're, i'm just not seeing the same this season now it could just be an early season slump um the cutter is only get, getting 17% whiff rate on it and like you mentioned both both of the the pitchers are moving in the same direction and that's just going to be easier for hitters to time up over time yeah man i would i would say that that ashcraft is droppable right now um and that yeah i could see his his ownership continue to drop as time goes on um so yeah if you're like on the fence like oh should i drop him should i keep him on the roster just to see if he bounces back i'm honestly fine dropping him right now because i just do not think that he has the stuff right now to be a big league pitcher that's going six seven innings strong um i think he's just gonna get beat up especially in that ballpark um so yeah, let's move on. Let's talk about some hitters, Clay. I want to talk about Jorge Soler, um, who homered again today. And Jorge Soler looks like the man that hit 48 home runs back in 2019. So far this year, he has 12 home runs, a 123 WRC+. plus. Um, yes, is he striking out plenty? Sure. But he is hitting the piss out of the ball, and that is what you want Jorge Soler on your team for. He has a whopping 47 percent hard hit rate and almost 19 percent barrel rate he's hitting everything in the air the the um it's his highest average launch angle of his career so he's just hitting everything in the air everything is hit hard um hitting right in the middle of that marlins lineup so big rbi opportunities for him um 
And yeah, I think he's like, if you need some big time power production, I would be grabbing a share of Jorge. I have him in a couple leagues and it's fun. It, he hits a home run like every day. Yeah, he, he is a fun player and he's a guy that um, has always been a fastball hitter. Last year on breaking balls, he hit 152 and on off speed, he hit 160. Two home runs total off of breaking balls last year. He already has three this season and he's batting 213. Of course, that's not a great batting average, but that is a humongous difference so far that we've seen. He's also cut the whiff rate by 7% now at 33%. Now, these numbers are not great, but when you're improving... Hey, I mean, a 398 much, expected Wobon on breaking balls is pretty dang elite. When you're improving that much against breaking balls, it's going to help that hole in your you know, approach and where the pitcher can attack you. So he's feasting on fastballs, eight home runs on the fastball so far, a fun player, a weird profile, and, you know, he's a guy that I, I would also pick up. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think that I'm gonna we're going to bring up another outfielder who's a bit less owned. Like, if you miss out on Solaire, I think this other guy could be the move. Solaire's owned in 40% of the Yahoo leagues right now, um, so he may or may not be owned in your league. But definitely take a look like he's one of these guys when he is so locked in at the plate. We saw this in the playoffs in 2021. We've seen this for his career. He hit 48 home runs one year. That's just crazy. Like he has the power to do that again. Um, And I think we're really seeing that this year. Um, But the other player I did want to profile is Jack Sawinski on the Pirates. He's owned in 20% of leagues right now, but he is raking clay. He's hitting 237 with a 360 on base, uh, seven home runs to his name five stolen bases. He's like Joey Gallo right now, right? He's striking out 32% of the time, walking 16% of the time, some big time power numbers, Um, 24 years old, plenty of power and speed here. A max exit velocity of 114 off the bat, a 46% hard hit rate and then 17% barrel rate. So, him and Solera are like somewhat similar profiles, but Sawinski actually has more speed. Five stolen bases to his name already. Um, so yeah, either one of these guys, I would be looking if you're if you're if you have injuries in the outfield or you're just looking to cycle through some outfielders and get yeah. somebody new on your roster. I think Sawinski's a great stab to take. So his chase rate last year is twenty five percent. This year, fifteen percent. So he's not chasing nearly as much as he did last year, yet he's still striking out a lot. And that's just part of the player he's going to be. He's going to bring speed. He's going to bring power. Um, He oftentimes just tries to pull the ball. And overall, I mean, he's his batted ball profile looks great. I mean, he's barreling up balls. He's putting up high exit velos. You just have to live with the strikeouts. So depending on your league, you know, with in a points league with negative strikeouts, he can be tough because he's going to have those, you know, two for 14 stretches at a at a time and strike out six or seven times, but then he'll come back and hit a few home runs to, to help balance it out. Wait a second. He, does he have like the lowest out of zone swing percentage in the league right now? He, his, his chase rate is in the 98th percentile. Oh my gosh. I can't believe he's striking out so much. I know that's almost shocking, but 30% I 30% be- whiff rate. He just must be taking a lot of pitches. I bet his swing percentage is, is quite low. Is that true? Do you have it up right now? I'm looking right now. 
I do not have it in front of me right now. Okay, I do. Oh my gosh, his swing percentage is only thirty eight percent. So he's not swinging at anything. He's just letting yeah. strikes go by. Oh man, that's a very interesting profile, and I don't hate it. It's definitely working for him. He has a three seventy four expected woba. So yeah, Swinski's a uh in a deeper league. Like I think a really good ad right now, and you know somebody kind of like a James Outman early in the year too. Like a lot of power, good speed mix, kind of a similar profile. Um, yeah. So I did want to make a little bit of a uh, note on Soler. I just stumbled upon this 2019 when he hit all those home runs. He also hit 214 on the breaking ball. He's currently hitting 213. He had 14 home runs that year off of the breaking ball. So just a yeah. little side note. Yeah, he's never going to be an a, a high average guy, right? His expected average is 255, but he's never over the last you know four seasons he's been right around 220, 225. Um, but I think he can still provide plenty of value even at that average with how much power he's shown. So he's on pace for, you know, 35, 40 home runs this year. That's crazy. Um, Clay, we got a couple more to talk about and then, um, I think we're out of here. Like this is going to be a quick episode today. Um, I want to talk about Casey Schmidt because he's climbing up the ownership ranks. Um, let's see. I think he was right around, you know, 50 percent last time i checked 46 percent ownership for casey casey schmidt for anybody that doesn't know who casey schmidt is he is a rookie that was called up by the giants last week um he hit a home run in his first game he had a home run in his third game and was off to a great great start to his career um he's actually known for his glove he's you know kind of uh arm says that he might be even better with the glove than like arenado Brian Hayes like he's that much of a freak show with the glove and he's playing some shortstop as well as third base um but Clay what the reason I wanted to bring up Schmidt is that I think a lot of people ran to grab him after he hit a home run in his first you know first game or maybe after he hit home run in his third game but since then he hasn't really done much um and I'm a little concerned that we're gonna see him kind of taper off he has not he has yet to walk he's not striking out that much but his numbers in AAA weren't that special either. He was hitting 313, but not a lot of power to show for it, and just an 86 WRC plus in AAA. So I don't know. I'm not. I don't think I'm much of a believer yet in Schmidt. But then again, he's hitting the ball hard, 47% hard hit rate, 11% barrel rate. Again, that's a very small sample. Um, it's just for me a guy that I'm not like running to go get. Yeah, he's kind of in between right now. He's like like you said, he has not drawn a walk but he's not striking out. Okay, well, he hasn't hit a home run in a few games after hitting two. Okay, well, he's still making great contact. It's a very strange thing that I do not know what to think about it right now. I don't think that there's going to be the staying power there. So if you picked him up to be your third baseman, I think you're going to come in underwhelmed with the power overall, like in the course of a season. So if there is an off, I I think he's fine as an injury replacement or you know, you're in between third baseman right now, but I would not be married to him. I would be kind of keeping an eye out um, and seeing if, if you can kind of climb up the, you know, improve somehow at third base if you think he's going to be your third baseman all year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he still is hitting the ball hard, but like, I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't see this staying. He, I don't think he's going to stay fantasy relevant all year. So I, that's just my my takeaway from it. Um, you can and always just, drop him later, but 
Yeah, and just to add, um, I'll add a name here that we did not talk about. But if you have Schmidt and you just are not comfortable at third base, let's say you're really struggling there, one name to add to your watch list is Jamer Candelario. Uh, he had four hits today. He's been playing pretty well. This is a guy in 2021 had a 120 WRC plus and looked like, you know, a good option. who could bounce on and off your roster available in most places, about, fi- you know, 15 or so home run power. He's been playing pretty well th- this season with Washington. Now the run production there won't be great, but a 103 d- WRC plus entering the day and a guy who's going to get a ton of playing time. And sometimes when you're really down bad at a position, what you need is a guy who's going to be in there every single day, switch hitter, so he won't be platooned or anything like that. Like he's a guy to just add to your watch list, and in a, in a deep league, you may even want want to add him. Okay, so Clay, uh, definitely a theme on this show since we've started it is that we like to talk about prospects to pick up before they come up. We talked about it with Brett Beatty. Um, we talked about it with Matt Mervis, and Beatty's definitely worked out. Mervis is struggling a bit so far, um, but I hope everybody grabbed Casas as well um, to replace Mervis. But we need to talk about the number one prospect in baseball, and that's Ellie De La Cruz, because I think now is the time to pick up Ellie De La Cruz before he's gone. He's already climbed up on Yahoo. He's owned in over 20% last week. It wasn't even close to that. So, like, yeah. He's exploded. Four percent owned right now in ESPN. So he is jump on that. Like he's exploded in the last week for a good reason. He has six home runs, seven stolen bases. He's hitting two seventy five with a three seventy three on base percentage and a five sixty slugging percentage. Beyond that, though, like those numbers are great. Beyond that, this dude is a switch hitter who hits one hundred and fourteen mile an hour, one hundred and fifteen mile an hour moonshots from both sides of the plate. And it seems like every single game or every single day, I'm seeing a tweet from Aram or other prospect people on Twitter with another Ellie De La Cruz just shot. Even if it's not a home run, just a shot. Like he hits the ball so freaking hard. Number one prospect in baseball, if like rankings were to be redone at just baseball. I mean, God, this guy is so good. And it's a matter of time before he comes up, right? Like I would say before the end of June, even sooner. Yeah, Reds my prediction is June 2nd is my exact. It, it's a Friday game against Milwaukee at home, and I feel like that's the time to bring him up. Um, A little bit about Ellie. Obviously, I watch a lot of him. Um, He's actually been drawing a ton of walks recently. Within the past two weeks or so, nobody is pitching to him. Today on Sunday, he had a home run out of the stadium that I believe was like 114 off the bat. Had a over 110 off the bat double as well. Just crushing the baseball. The swing and miss will be an issue. He's going to swing and miss at the major league level, and that's okay. I am totally okay with it because I think he's going to make enough contact. It's going to be loud. He's going to steal bases. He will. So right now he's eligible at shortstop in ESPN. I think he's going to be playing third base when he comes up. So you will be able to slot him at third, short, second slash short, utility, or third slash first. With that much flexibility, even if he's not up for two or even three weeks, you can put him on your bench right now and know when it does come time, he'll be able to play all over your your lineup. He's going to be slotted in the middle of the lineup for Cincinnati. 
and get every single day opportunities. I don't see why you wouldn't pick him up. He was actually drafted in my 10-man league in a redraft and never dropped. So I don't have the opportunity, but go out there and pick him up. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, why waste your time on Casey Schmidt? Like, this is a a Casey Schmidt is a player that wasn't even an above average hitter at the minor league level. And now he's not really doing that well at the major league level. Do not waste your time on Casey Schmidt. Stick Ellie on your bench for the next three weeks and wait for him to get called up because he's playing so out of his mind right now in minor leagues. Number one prospect, go pick up Ellie De La Cruz now. Absolutely right now, Clay. Agreed. Like, so much raw talent. And beyond the strikeout numbers, Clay, I think Ellie is the rare player that can strike out 27 to 30% of the time and hit close to 300. Like Aaron Judge does that on a regular basis. Mike Trout does that on a regular basis because the balls that he does put into play are put into play with such force that they have a high percentage of being a hit. Like he's the he's the rare guy that can just have a high strikeout rate but a really good average too. And he's showing that. 275 this year in AAA with almost a 30% carry rate. Last year he hit over 300 at each level with a 30% K rate. Like it can happen. And he's the rare guy that can do it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's Ellie's like who I'm most fired up was most fired up to talk about today because <laughs> like jump on him. Now do not be the guy that misses him misses out on Ellie for the rest of the season, especially in that ballpark. Oh my goodness. Yeah. He's going to be fun to watch. And we always say, pick up players that you enjoy watching. You will love this guy. Um, he's kind of a maniac in the best way possible. Like, he flies around the bases, tries to stretch every, you know, single into a double, double into a triple. Um, he's even fun in the field, too. I mean, he threw an absolute laser across the diamond Saturday night. And um, Colby, he does do this one thing that drives me crazy. When watching in the tr- in the AAA camera, you can see him playing shortstop, like, in the thing. And he, like, calls a strike the way, like, an umpire would motion for a strike every single strike. He like does the hand motion and everything. And it's just like, oh my gosh, it, it's just a distraction for me. It's a small, you know, nitpick, but fun player. He also throws 95 across the diamond. If that any added bonus to yeah. picking him up and watching him. Um, I got one more player to talk about. Uh, I just wanted to mention Dylan Floro real quick because mm-hmm. um, he's been racking up saves. Clay. He has uh, four saves over the last uh, in May. Um, and while AJ Puck is out, he's been collecting saves for the Marlins and, and Flora's been getting the job done, not just this year, but over the last four years, Clay, he has a 2.8 ERA over that span, a 2.49 ERA this year. Um, and so there's no reason to expect that the Marlins will take him out of the closer role anytime soon while Puck, um, is rehabbing, uh, Puck. I don't know when Puck is going to be back. It says that he's been, you know, throwing from 90 feet um but it's an elbow injury for puck and like you know that's usually a type of injury that you know you you don't really know there's a lot of ups and downs and even when he does come back is he going to be thrown back into that closer role um so i would say pick up dylan floro now and just reap the rewards of him picking up these saves that's that's all i wanted to hit on there before we get out of here our guy Corey seager's back had has just been awesome since since coming back um, I believe he was three for five today with a double and a home run. Just exciting to see a player of that caliber back, especially in that Rangers lineup, which is not only fun, but the secondary pieces of that lineup, kind of the young guys, 
are really starting to get it going now. Ezekiel Duran, who we talked about a while ago, he's getting owned in a bunch of places. Josh Young's been great. Um, even Tavares in center field playing well. Like it's 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 a fun team to watch. Yeah, we don't really talk about players that are owned in more than like 50 to 60% of leagues on these waiver episodes. But for anybody listening that is in like a six or eight man league that has Josh Young on the waiver wire, you might want to get on that one. Um, he hit his ninth home run today and has just been racking up yeah. RBIs and home runs. Um, so, yeah, definitely, definitely take a look at, at, at Josh Young. But um, I think that'll do it today, Clay. You got anything else? That's it. Go Celtics. Go Celtics. We'll see you guys this week. Remember, get your questions in for a mailbag episode. You guys can reach out to us on Twitter. I'm Colby underscore Olson three. Clay, what are you? What's your Twitter handle? Um, At Clay underscore SNO. At Clay underscore SNO. All right, that'll do it. Just Fantasy Baseball. Thank you guys for listening. Have a good one. Adios. Adios.